Welcome everyone to Burgana Freak. That's the name of this podcast. Uh, <laughs> I'm the Glorious League Freak. I'm on this podcast. You've probably heard me before. This is episode 498. And I am joined by a Penrith Panthers supporter by the name of Nadine, who um, I, I've experienced the greatest moment that a Panthers fan has ever had in their entire lives. And it's it's been funny because it's been as me and Nadine have been friends. It's it's awesome. So thank you for joining me, Nadine. Thank you for having me. What's wrong with your voice? Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah I, I'm still suffering the effects of celebrating um, a little bit too hard last weekend. <laughs> that sounds ridiculous, especially because I wasn't actually drinking either. Yeah. So I was sober. I had been driving. Um, but I clearly did some real damage um, witnessing that comeback. So that's, yes, yeah, so this is what, day day six? Mm. It's still shocking. It's it's crazy. Um, you went to the game. We, we, text, we were texting during the day and we were a little bit nervous, but we were all right. And then you went and you watched the – you got to the game and saw the NRLW grand final, which in itself was a fantastic mm. game. Um, what was that like? Yeah, it was it was really good. Um, ordinarily, we go to the grand final every year, regardless of who's playing, being footy heads that we are. Mm-hmm. Um, we sit in the same spot every year as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the one year that I chose to not sit in that, area and sell those tickets to buy tickets in the Panther supporters area was 2020. So I will never, ever do that again. <laughs> um, so yeah, usually get there like gates open, make a big, you know, big day of it, et cetera. But given how hot it was in Sydney last week, mm-hmm. we got there for the women's game and I, that was outstanding football, mm. outstanding football. Those women are amazing and to play in that heat was something else absolutely something else so um yeah that was great but there was such a big gap between the women's game finishing and then obviously the NRL game mm. starting or at least the the ceremonies and and all that kind of stuff where they you know do the acknowledgement of the departing players or re- retiring players and then, you know, the pregame entertainment, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah, it, it's a little bit of a shame that there's not more to do inside the stadium mm-hmm. for those who are attending to fill that void. And yeah, I don't know why. It's something that Rugby League has had for a number of years. I remember when I went to the um, World Cup of Nines at Parramatta Stadium and, I think the semi-finals were at like four o'clock or something like that, and um, I, I I was asked like, "Oh, when's the final on?" And I was like, "It's been the next hour," and it was at like nine p.m. that night, mm. and it was silly. There were so many people left because they had hours and hours before anything was going on, and as you say, no entertainment, no anything. Um, I don't understand why they don't like. There really should only be half an hour between games in rugby league. And that's taken into account if you need to do, like, 
you know, music and all that stuff. There's half an hour there to do it. You don't need mm-hmm. like three hours or anything stupid to do that stuff. So I I get how you're feeling, and especially <laughs> when it was that hot too, like just sitting around hydrating the whole time, I guess. Yeah, well, I think the other thing is I felt that this year as well that the precinct activation was not as good as previous years either. Mm-hmm. There, there just appeared to be less going on outside the stadium itself than what there has been previously. Mm-hmm. Um, it, w- yeah, which was a bit, bit strange. Um, so you know, we kind of got there, did a little bit of a wander around the stadium, and thought, oh, there's nothing really to do. So mm-hmm. went inside um, and kind of did an entire lap. So we did do an entire lap of the stadium before we went and sat in our seats yeah and nothing happening inside the stadium either Mm, so yeah so i think there's an opportunity there's definitely an opportunity there because um you know unless you know people the stadium tends to have a no pass outs rule Mm -hmm. so even if you wanted to watch the nrlw or, or for that matter the state cup championship prior to that and then go outside the stadium to do some stuff in the precinct because there was a little bit happening a little bit closer to game time. So certainly in that window between NRLW and NRL, you can't go. So it would be nice if there was an opportunity to formalise a pass-out process. I know that they do it at Suncorp because I did it when I was up there for Magic Round previously. Mm. So, yeah, but it was was a really – Really hot day, but really enjoyable day. Um, and then I was eager to see the pregame entertainment given the, you know, ongoing hype around how AFL gets it so right and NRL gets it wrong and so on and so forth. And, you know, obviously I heard your take about KISS at the yeah. AFL Grand Final and yeah. – I'm a huge, huge Kiss fan myself. I have seen them numerous times and mm-hmm. completely agree that they just yeah. phoned that in. Yeah. Um, and But I do understand, if I recall correctly, they were not the first choice. So they there was another act actually booked and they pulled the pin. So then a, the uh, AFL then were left to look at well, who was in the country that could be available on that date. So it was a very, I say last minute, it was still a couple of months, but comparatively speaking, a last minute selection. So I can kind of understand how that, you know, appearance of kind of phoning it in um, also came across. But I thought the Tina piece was amazing. It sounded amazing in the stadium and there's been times where, in the stadium, it sounded great, but that's not come across on TV or vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought it was actually great. It I th- would have been nice to maybe not have um, maybe the nut bush and have what you get is what you see. I think it would have been nice to have both the songs that were oh, used yeah, in the rugby league promotion. I also think um, the nut bush for – for anybody that's gone to high school in Australia, we all like we've kept PTSD about the nutbush, you know. <laughs> well, the nutbush is one of those things that one of those dances that when I had my wedding many, 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 many years ago, mm. that was on a list of do not play. 
<laughs> songs. And and I remember some um, extended family members came up to me saying, the DJ will not play the nutbush. I said, yes, because I have told him not to. And they were horrified. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh, shit. That's so funny. Oh, my God. That's brilliant. Yeah, when it, like when I, – I, I agree with you. I thought the Tina Turner tribute was like I, – I don't like pregame stuff. I, it just doesn't – I just don't care. But I was locked into the whole thing. I thought it was amazing. I thought that the performer, whose name I don't know, but she was incredible. If she was back next year, I'd be like, oh, that's awesome, you know. Mm. Um, but, yeah, when the nutbush come on, I was like, oh, man, do I have to look for a partner now to dance with? <laughs> you know, jeez. Um, yeah, it was uh, – yeah, but it was all – yeah, I think it was pretty good. I've got to say, though, it took them longer to set up and – pack down all the staging than the performance itself. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's part of the reason why they need so much time yeah. between those games because by the time they do the presentations and the players mingle and get photos and all that kind of stuff and they're setting up and, and you know, bumping out, bumping in, bumping out and everything like that, staging and mm-hmm. the like, um, particularly for the that main entertainment piece, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's it, it takes a fair whack of time. Mm, mm. Yeah, it's like, and sometimes it's worth it, and other times, like, like the when I saw the Kiss performance, and they had this big, like, they had them all on a big, like, cross, mm. and I was like, Kiss is supposed to be together, rocking the shit out of it, but, but yeah, I mean, I and I guess the other thing with Kiss performance too was like. You got to play a certain way in a, in that sort of situation, and yeah, I mean, I, I, like normally after a live Kiss performance, you want to be sitting there and you need a cigarette, even if you don't smoke. <laughs> <laughs> and and yeah, they they phoned it in, and I don't put that on Kiss, so I just think it was the situation. Mm. Um, so hot day, you've watched the NRLW Grand Final, you've had to wait. Tina Turner comes out, she sings, and sets you up for just a nice relaxing footy game to watch. Yeah, just totally relaxing. Let me also point out that the seats that I sit in every year, mm. um, for the la- except for the Melbourne game where I, I sold them and bought in the Panthers Supporters Bay, mm-hmm. have been above, not so not right in the midst, but close enough above the opposition. Okay. So... Last year, seated immediately above all the Parramatta supporters. <laughs> this year, seated immediately above all of the Broncos supporters. Oh. So it can be a very unhappy space yes. to sit. Um, and it gives you a really weird sense of or a warped sense of what the supporter base is in the ground because – you know, you're essentially sitting in the opposition's territory, so it yeah. feels like the support. There's no support for, you know, if it's your team, your team, mm-hmm. um, or for the other team, if you know, depending on the circumstances. So, um, so that was um, interesting, um, and it was really fascinating, even in the NRLW game, because obviously a lot of the fans had started arriving. Yeah. And you think all three games being played last week were all essentially state of origin. It was yeah, all yeah. 
you know, Queensland, New South Wales. And so that was even fascinating as well because that was the end that a lot of the Newcastle supporters ended up in for Mm -hmm. the NRLW. So you had this dichotomy of all the Newcastle supporters were at that end for some reason, but you also had the Broncos supporters. Mm -hmm. And so that was really strange um, in the NRLW game because everyone was cheering at the same time. Um, But, yeah, it was really, you know, as they're doing the – team announcements and I'm starting to get nerve, you know, more nervous and I'm texting a few people and, mm-hmm. um, and things like that. And, you know, to, they start doing the team announcements and it genuinely felt like the entire stadium was pro Broncos. <laughs> and, and I don't know whether that was accurate or not. Um, mm. I get that having watched the telecast back, I don't, th- I don't get the feeling it is, but um, that's what it felt like. So that was, fascinating um obviously the loudest boo was for jerome mm-hmm. um and you know the the usual luai's a wanker chant started mm-hmm. early mm-hmm. um and yeah it was it was just interesting very it was very interesting like the first 10 or 15 minutes you could you know there was a bit quite the grind you could see that the referee was going to be far more lenient Mm -hmm. than what we are obviously used to in regular season games. Um, And that wasn't sitting well with the Broncos supporters that were making themselves very vocally known. Um, I'm sure that at the other end of the stadium, the Panthers supporters were also doing the same thing, but can't really speak to for that. But um, yeah, just, when when Mitch Kenny scored the first try, where I was sitting was actually the very front row of the upper elevation at the northern end of yeah. um, the stadium. Yeah. And I did not realise that immediately in front of me was not like metal signage or something like that. It's actually the visual board. So it's all yeah. LED lights and stuff. So... I go to start banging the crap out of that. And firstly, it's not making any noise. So I start banging harder. I'm thinking, what's going on here? And then it was really spiky and hard on my hand. And it was really hurting my hand. I thought, I don't know what's going on here. Um, And then as I I kind of leaned over and went, oh, okay, this is is one of those light boards. That's why it's not doing what I wanted to do, which is make noise. Um, I ended up really bruising my thumb so bad mm. from smashing that so much during the course of the game. So I've, I'm the walking wounded after that game. Um, I just love yeah. the idea that you're like, you're like, it's not banging hard. i got to hit this thing harder, man. I just got to beat the fuck out of this thing. <laughs> yeah. And meanwhile, you know, my husband's sitting there just looking at me going, what are you doing? Like, are you right? <laughs> And it's like, so, like, the game was, it was a pretty tense start, and we, like, Penrith get that gift of a try. It was just mm, handed mm. to them, really. Yeah. And then they get the eight-point lead uh, through through a penalty, mm-hmm. and we're up 8 nil, and it's looking pretty good for us. But the Broncos, you know, we had a lot of, of ball, a lot of field mm. position, and we didn't score enough points. We just didn't. And then they scored just before halftime. How did you feel when they crossed before halftime and, oh, and six eight? I felt sick. Yeah, I felt sick, and it was one of those things where um, 
the replays that were shown at the ground, which weren't many, mm-hmm. I was not convinced that that ball made it to the line. Yeah. Genuinely not convinced. Um, and even having watched it back in the vision that had been played through both. I've watched both the Fox and the nine yeah. coverage and I'm still not 100% yeah. certain that it got there. So, you know, the bunker has obviously got different views that weren't televised or whatever, but it was just one of those things where I just thought, oh, shit. Yeah. And especially because the, the Panthers forwards weren't dominating the way that, they had done all season. Mm-hmm. I thought that um, the Broncos had done a really good job in kind of lessening the impact that Fish and Leota were having um, and the speed of their outside backs was terif- terrifying, Yeah, um, like legit terrifying. So um, whilst it was nice to go in, two points up, it was one of those things where I thought, oh, this isn't good because, yeah, they'd had all the ball, um, you know, the perfect completion rate at that point, um, you know, and and dominant field possession and, yeah, as you say, just not enough points on the board for all of that to have been the case at halftime. Yeah, and, like, for a grand final, you go in 8-0, that's going to be difficult to overcome that especially if then Penrith were able to score on the back end. Like if they score on the back end of that in the second half, the game's basically over. Mm. Um, and going into halftime, I was like, okay, the the Broncos are down by two. It's going to be difficult for them to overcome that. And just because it's a grand final, that's just how things work in the grand final. We come into the second half, Broncos come out, and they just 18 points. Ezra mm. Mann rips the game apart. I was clapping his second try. It was that good. And his third try was a celebration of the Broncos' victory in the grand final. And I couldn't be mad about it. It was what we saw was incredible. Mm. But what was it like for you being at the match and you've got all of the Broncos fans in front of you? They must have been going off their heads and rightfully so. And it was, I know at that point I was coming to terms with like, Wow, we had two grand, we had two out of four. That's amazing. It's been really good run. Can't can't complain. That's how I was feeling. How were you feeling? Um, yeah, I wasn't that good about it. (laughs) (laughs) I was, (laughs) I was sitting there thinking. I agree with that second try that you just marveled. You had to marvel at it. And sitting behind the posts in that elevated position, you could see these movements mm-hmm. happening and it's almost like in slow motion, mm-hmm. um, but not at the same time. And I just remember thinking, you know, after that third try and, you know, I know the messages started. I know I messaged you mm-hmm. and said, that's it, we're done. Yeah. And all I could think was, please don't let this open the floodgates and it ends up being like a 40-point drubbing in the second half. Like that's all I all I wanted at that point was yeah. let's at least keep it at this. You know, let's make it respectable. 
mm-hmm. you know, just dig in, you know, I probably wasn't in that, well, certainly wasn't in that same headspace of, oh, well, we've had a couple of good years and that's really great. It was more just like, please just salvage something out of this game. Yeah. And, and, um, and tw- yeah. I mean, 24 points to eight, you've been smashed in a grand final. Yeah. You've been smashed. You just have been. And, and yeah, I can't remember what I applied to you. I, I probably said, yeah. Yeah, no, or, or whatever. Because, like, and it's funny because our our texting each other during the season got very different in the last couple of weeks of the, of the finals. Because, like, when me and Nadine normally are texting each other through the entire games, but in the last couple of weeks of the finals, like, it was like we both tensed up. Yeah. <laughs> and, we, 100%. and we both knew how we both felt as well. Yeah. So, all good. And, and yeah, it was... Uh, it, it was done. We were done. Um, yeah, I know. So- and I was there. Were, there was a few different group chat messages going on, but the overarching theme in all of these messages that I was kind of going back and forth on was, "This is giving 2020 vibes," yeah. and, and that's how it felt. It was one of those, you know, we were expected to do so much more, yeah, and it it wasn't happening, and. Um, and then, you know, one of the other people that I was um, texting um, who I will speak about a little bit later mm-hmm. as we m- move through the timeline of events, mm-hmm. um, I was messaging her and, and she was saying, you know, um, something to the effect of, you know, what really shits me is that, you know, everyone's been against us all week and, you know, even the Premier wasn't happy to get on board and support, you know, the New South Wales team. And mm-hmm. so she was at that point, A, had essentially resigned to the fact that this is going to be a loss. Yeah. But also B, that, you know, nobody wanted to jump on the bandwagon. Yeah, yeah. Um, And and that was really shitting her. And And, yeah. and then I found myself getting really shitty about that too. Oh. <laughs> um, so I'd gone from this despondent, this despondency, you know, I mean, my po- don't even get me started on my poor daughter who was sitting there, uh, genuinely had tears oh. forming. Yeah. And i am got steam coming out my ears. She's like looking like she's about to break down and there's my husband taking a video because <laughs> – and and he's a Canberra supporter, so yes. like, I don't know if you've talked about it with him, but was I mean, there's got to be a tiny, tiny little bit of the the footy fan in him that's like, it's about fucking time. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the added complexity to the dynamic is um, my daughter's godfather, so my husband's best mate, mm-hmm. is a rabid Broncos fan. Oh, okay. Rabid. I mean, the the banter between. He and my daughter all week was next level. <laughs> um, and most people, if they were to look at these messages in isolation, would say, you can't speak to a teenager that way. Um, <laughs> she gives it back, it's, so it's fine, but rabid. But it got to the point where, um, yeah, my husband's sending these videos to him and I'm just looking at him saying, oh, mate, that's not okay. No, you, that's not, that is not okay. You cannot do that. Um, but, yeah, it was just, you know, sitting there head in hand thinking, yeah. where did this go wrong? Yeah. Like how did the best defensive team in the last four years 
who has not leaked more than 14 points a game on average, just get slammed. Like, yeah. and, it and, was mind-boggling. Yeah, and it, it just it all, it, it was over so quickly. And on top of that, Yao's off the field. Sorensen's off the field. Luai's gone now. He's, his shoulder couldn't, just couldn't handle anymore. Um, mm. Well, and funnily enough, having watched it back, I'm pretty sure he did that. So, like, it was completely done mm. in the fourth minute of the game. So yeah. if you go back and watch the game, just the first five minutes is fine. It's where he makes the – essentially, it's a uh, – I will – I'm going to say it's a try-saving tackle, mm-hmm. but it was where um, – I think it was Stags came out of their own in goal. So Nathan had put through an amazing kick. I I thought he'd actually grounded the ball when he kind of slipped or whatever in the in goal, but it wasn't ruled that way. And watching it back, that clearly wasn't the case. And so he's come charging out of his um, in goal and Jerome puts this hit on, which obviously stops him in his tracks. And when he gets up from that, you can actually see he's carrying his left arm. Yeah. And so for him to then carry that for as long as he did, because he um, got it needled at half time, hoping to be able to play through. And obviously um, that didn't eventuate, but mm. yeah, no, no Sorensen, no Yo, no Luai. Um, and Tungo had been off the field as well. Yeah. And, and it like, basically it's, it's all falling apart at this point. And, and then Nathan Cleary breaks through and, Moses Leota's there and scores. And it, you know what I, I was thinking was like, at least the scoreline's respectable now. Correct. Exactly mm. the same. Mm. Exactly the same. And then you just, something shifted. Mm. And it was, I don't know what it was that shifted. I mean, apart from a mindset thing, obviously, like you, I've read, you know, everyone's read every article under the sun since yeah. last Sunday, but something shifted and they, it was like, I don't know whether they went back to basics or whether the Broncos kind of went into their shell a little bit in terms of they were really playing to protect the lead more than anything else or a combination of all of it. Um, but they just started turning the screws, turning the screws, turning the screws. But that 40-20 from Cleary is uh, that that is the single most pivotal point of the game for Penrith. Mm. Um, yeah, with without doubt. Well, in my opinion, anyway, without yeah. doubt. Well, it was just it was a moment where like it was a signal that like when we're not just going to let this game play out, we're coming mm. for it, you know. And and it was. I mean, he absolutely nailed it. It was something like a 35-15. Mm-hmm. Like, he nailed it. And um, everything had to fall into play. Like, there couldn't have been a dropped ball. There couldn't have been a penalty. There couldn't have been a bad play the ball. There couldn't have even been, like, a a pass that wasn't great and it stopped a player and made them hesitate, you know. Everything mm. had to fall into place from that point on. 
and it started to. Uh, at what point did you start crying? Uh, I don't know whether – oh, no, I did get a bit teary. When did I – I think it was – I was more reacting to my daughter's reaction. Okay. And so um, I think – so when – Crichton scored and that was a real statement try like especially mm. when you watch that back that was the way he just he drilled that ball so hard into the turf it mm. was not funny mm. and I I thought oh we're on here mm. and um and I know that's when the messages between us started <laughs> firing back up again um and it was like oh my god what is happening yeah um so and I think it was at that point um and funnily enough, that's also when the southerly started absolutely blowing through I'm that so stadium. I'm so glad you brought this up because there was this, it was this, and it was talked about on the, the game coverage. And I, I don't even know how to explain it, but it was almost as though it was like the moment in a horror movie where the monster's coming and the yep. wind starts blowing through and there's stuff blowing across the field. Oh, my God. It was insane like yeah. insane so that start that that southerly started blowing through just before that Crichton try mm-hmm. and so and I remember thinking like fuck Nathan's got to take this kick kind of from the sideline and this wind is insane like you know how they've got those um inflatable KFC buckets behind the posts yep and that's it holds one or two spare balls and some, I think, the water for the touchies and stuff. Mm-hmm. That thing got blown from pillar to post. Like they actually Wait. ended up taking it off the field altogether because mm-hmm. it was, at one point it was like on the 20-metre line. <laughs> um, it was ridiculous. And, yeah, that you can see or see on the telecast that there's rubbish just being blown right through, you know, right across the stadium. And it, But it was so eerie. Yeah. <laughs> that it happened at that point. And then when Nathan kicked that goal with that wind the way that it was, and he just he just sat and waited. Like it was it was like watching um, you know, like archery or pistol shooting or something like that yeah. at the Olympics where you know that they wait or they they train themselves to shoot between their heartbeat. Yeah. Um and things like that. It for me it felt like that he just he sat and he waited just for the wind to die down enough before taking the kick it was it was so odd um and you know like I've got my daughter looking at me like with this dare to dream kind of look and I was like oh my god like this you know there's a chance here like but I was still having that 2020 vibe yeah. Because that's exactly what happened in 2020. <laughs> yeah, that's there was how, that chance. But it was exactly <laughs> yeah, I felt the same way. I like when Crichton scored, I was like, this isn't I, I was and I'm crying the whole time. This isn't happening. Like it, it just can't be. And I like we're down by four points at when he kicks it. And I I didn't think that this was a comeback moment. I didn't mm. think we were gonna win it at that point either. Like and then and the Broncos aren't playing bad. No. Like, they're playing pretty fucking good. Yep. So, to, 
take take me through. They're, they're on the Broncos line and they're really putting it to the Broncos. Yeah. And that's when I started thinking, oh, oh my God, right? Um, did you see the gap open up? Yep. So that was obviously towards the end I was sitting at. And that's mm-hmm. where I was saying, like, those seats, ordinarily no one wants to sit behind the goalposts. But when you're that elevated, it it's actually amazing to see yeah. – particularly more, you know, things like what the fullbacks are doing mm-hmm. as well. Um, so I've got a far better appreciation for every fullback since we started sitting in those seats. Mm-hmm. Um, but you just saw, yeah, it, it was like how how did that open up? And then you, when you're watching it back and you just go, oh, my God. So there were so many things that needed to happen for that gap to open up. The first one was the play the ball. Mm-hmm. The second one was the decept- the deceptiveness of um, Mitch Kenny. Mm-hmm. The third thing was Sorensen. And again, if you haven't noticed this before, go back and watch it. Sorensen actually hightailing it back behind the play the ball mm-hmm. um, location to act as a support play in case he's needed. And obviously, Reese Walsh just being half a second too slow to react mm-hmm. to what what was happening. But if Sorensen doesn't hike his ass back, that's an obstruction. Yeah, yeah, one hundred. And it blows my mind that at the seventy seventh minute, almost well seventy eighth minute, under that much fatigue, and you've busted your ass all season and you're behind by four on the scoreboard and just 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 keep tallying all of those things up, you are still present enough to think I've got to get back to make myself available for whatever comes. And it just yeah. absolutely blows my mind. And that gap looked – and you said it in the, um, the podcast the other day – look like Sydney heads and I totally agree it looked like the largest gap I have ever seen in my life mm-hmm. and to yeah to say that I didn't learn my lesson about the fact that um the visual board in front of me was glass <laughs> and spiky and didn't make noise I did not learn that lesson or in that moment I had forgotten um because I tried to smack that so hard. I actually think I ended up with a piece of glass oh, from it in my thumb because I picked something out. I was like, oh, something's really sharp in there and I managed to dislodge it. Um, yeah. I, and then that was it. It was it was on from that point. It yeah. was just absolutely on. My daughter's pretty much in tears. I think the you know husband's got the phone out doing more filming um it, it was ridiculous absolutely ridiculous yeah it was like this moment where I, I was thinking about it today where like if you said if you said oh you know what my club it was in second place and it had to win its last game of the season to win the minor premiership that alone you'd it'd be like man that's so cool that happened mm-hmm. and every other thing we've done through the this entire run, like if you took one little part of it, it would be so cool to have a club that did that. 
and to have all of the things we had done back to back and all that, people are already saying that we were probably the best team in the modern era. But if you win three straight, it's undeniable. Mm. Undisputed as that. Undisputed. <laughs> to have the biggest comeback in grand final history on top of that, and to do it in a game that was so high quality, and like both teams played really well, and the Broncos, mm. like they were unbelievable, especially in that second half. Um, to to do now to have that as well, I lost my mind and. I can't imagine what it was like at the stadium. You've got all these Broncos supporters in front of you who the, it's just this nightmare that I can't even imagine. Mm. And the stadium must have just exploded. Like, what was it like? Yeah, it did. So it was at that point. No, it might have been the Crichton try. Mm-hmm. It might have been the Crichton try where that was the first time in the entire game where I thought, oh, there are people here supporting Penrith. Mm-hmm. Like it's not as one-sided as I thought it was in terms of support at the ground. Um, And so – and I think that even the neutrals at that point, the sheer volume of sound was being driven by disbelief. Mm -hmm. Like what has just happened? Mm -hmm. And the only other time I have heard a noise like that in a grand final was 2015. Mm-hmm. when the Cowboys scored in the corner. Now, that was at the opposite end to where I sit, but still. Mm-hmm. Um, that's only other time I've – it's been like that, where it's it's just been this almost visceral noise. Yeah. And it's, it's visceral because you've got the elation of the Panthers supporters. You've got the – disappointment, the the shock, the dismay, that whatever, all of those feelings from the Broncos supporters and everybody else is in absolute disbelief that what have they witnessed? Yeah. Um, you know, and you, I've seen vision of Jonathan Thurston on the sideline. Essentially that was him. Like what have I just seen? This is insane. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so then – we're obviously carrying on like absolute Muppets um, <laughs> and I don't care. Yeah. And, um, you know, obviously, you know, there's hugs and there's, you know, all this stuff going on and then they start doing the presentation and um, let's, sorry, let me go back a bit. I've heard a bit of stuff this week about, you know, Panthers being yet again, oh, they're arrogant. They took so long to go and shake the hands of, you know, the Broncos players and not everyone did this and not everyone. I was like, nobody goes and shakes the hands of the opposition after a grand final immediately. It doesn't happen. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. And it irritates me that they'll find something to pick on. And I get it. The Panthers are the new kids in the tall poppy syndrome block. It was the Roosters. It was Melbourne before that, you know. It happens. Yeah. Um, but I remember seeing them going and thinking, oh, that's great that they're doing that yeah. because all their families are on the field at this point and they're still doing that. Um, so obviously they're all lined up and, you know, we're having discussions, you know, amongst the group that I was there with, who's getting the Clive Churchill and blah, blah, blah. And, um, and 
we were all genuinely thinking it would be Ezra Mam. He would be another one of those winners of the Clive Churchill from a losing team situation. Yeah. And I don't think anyone would have been mad about it. No, no, not at all. Not at all. And, and in fact, like, I don't think I've ever watched a grand final where you could absolutely legitimately have given it to six different players mm. and on two different teams. And whoever they gave it to out of any of those players, I would not have said a single word. They all deserved it. Mm, every single mm. one of them. Um, and yeah, I like three grand final, three tries in a grand final is absolutely, especially the way he just tore the game open. Mm. It was crazy. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I like when they actually did give it to Cleary, that probably surprised me more. Oh, <laughs> uh. I, I don't think I was. I don't think I was surprised. I thought they were giving it to Edwards when they said it, and he's there, got the second. Nah. Shirt, I was like, oh, Edwards got it. <laughs> no, I knew it was as soon as they said that. I knew it was Cleary, as did my daughter, who absolutely idolizes that man. Mm. Um, it's bordering on unhealthy, but um, <laughs> she was beside herself with excitement, and you know, so watching everything go on and. You know, they finish doing the presentation. They start doing their very slow lap of honour and, you know, husband's like, all right, let's go. And I'm looking at him going, uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> uh, not just yet. And then he said, somebody else, I said, well, just go after this song. I don't even know what song was playing. I was like, just after this song's done, we'll, we'll go. Um, but this is where the fun part starts. Yes. So... Um, I am exceptionally fortunate to have some very, very, very good friends um, that I have met through the gym that I train at, which most people know is Mark Geyer's gym. Mm -hmm. um, one of those people um, uh, is a sponsor of the Panthers. I, I won't say which, which one, but um, – and that afforded me the opportunity to go back to the club after the game to the official after party with the players, with the players' families, um, with some of the sponsors, um, not all of them. There was only a couple of them. Mm -hmm. um, so obviously you need to be one of the bigger name sponsors. Um, and that is one of the highlights of my life oh, without fail. So, um, so, you know, we get home, I, you know, quickly freshen up because it's obviously been stinking hot. <laughs> we get changed. Um, I drive to the club and uh, Mulgoa Road is still blocked, still closed at this point. The cops yeah. have still got it shut down. How did you get to the club physically? Like, like – because I, I was seeing videos of it like hours and hours later yeah. and it, it was still like blocked with people yeah so so I got to the I got to the club um, just before midnight and I parked on some side street I just so which I knew I was gonna have to do so that was fine mm -hmm. um, and but yeah but cops still had it had everything closed um, and um, Oh, you know, there's fireworks being let off in like Jamo Park and <laughs> the cops don't even care. You know, like it was actually, it was great um, to mm. be fair. So anyway, 
I go to the back entrance um, of the club and those that know the club know where I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And to get to the back entrance, I'm having to walk past the main entrance. The main entrance has got people queued up for a hundred plus meters. So for those who know the club, it was obviously down past iFly and around the bend towards where you go to Aqua Golf. And it was not nice and single file. It was bunched up. I have never, ever seen it like that, ever. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I'm like, okay, just strutting my way. See you later, people. Go into my <laughs> little little back entrance. Um, meet my my friends there. Um, you know, got got my wristbands. You know, all this kind of stuff. Um, which was, yeah. Once you had the wristband, that was it. That in. Um, yeah, because. That would basically – that wristband there would have been like you could have gone anywhere in the club almost, hey? Like, well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and so at this point um, the police had actually shut the club down in terms of taking anybody else in. Yeah. Um, because there was – it was at capacity. Yeah. Um, but for us. So, um, yeah, so I um, got in, went into, you know, got we got ushered through the club into Evan Theatre mm-hmm. and that was, you know, having to show the wristband at all these different checkpoints. Um, and, yeah, that was where everything was due to happen. So um, players arrived at about 10 to 2, give mm-hmm. or take, um, and then it was on. It was just... A massive, massive, massive party. Um, Ivan said a couple of really brief words, um, but uh, I had every intention of trying to get heaps of photos, but um, it actually didn't feel right when I was in there to do that because, you know, this was – you know, this was a space for those nearest and dearest to actually mm-hmm. let their hair down to um, celebrate what had just happened, you know, et cetera. So I did get a couple of photos, a couple of videos. Um, one has gone on social media and that was a photo of the actual trophy, not the replica, mm-hmm. um, nothing like that. So that has gone up and that will be the only one that goes up because I am not going to be disinvited to anything because <laughs> I've posted stuff that I shouldn't have posted. Um, but, um, yeah, it was it was just an absolute – it was a giant, giant, giant party where, um, yeah, the players just let their hair down, all their family, friends – People got, you know, people, they were happy to take photos with everyone. Mm-hmm. Everyone could get photos with the trophy. Um, wow. The goggles, the goggles are the best thing ever. Yeah. And I do have a photo with the goggles. Um, so I did I did acquire, well, I borrowed a pair for a photo. I didn't <laughs> steal them. Um, I gave them back to the player I took them from. Yeah. Um, uh, I also got to physically put on one of the premiership rings, ah, um, so cool. which is amazing. So um, uh, Mitch and Kenny. And saying it's heavy. It's super heavy. So Mitch Kenny was very obliging. Yeah. Um, bless him. Um, it is quite heavy. It's um, obviously quite large, mm. but very small. So the majority of players 
um, if they want to wear them, so to speak, they would have to get them resized because the only finger they really fit on is maybe their pinky mm. or if they've got tiny little hands, maybe their, like, pointer finger. But, um, yeah, and then um, I got to, you know, chatting to a few players. Um, Brian Toto had all of his rings on a necklace. Yeah. And so he showed me all of his. Because they were on a necklace, I didn't ask to put them on. Yeah. Um, but it was so cool that they actually all had their, if they have previous rings, yeah. actually all had them. Yeah. Um, like even Scott Sorensen had his one from the Sharks. So that yeah. was pretty, that was pretty cool. cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like it was just, and I got to see the Clive Churchill medal, like up close and personal. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was just really fun night. So I pulled up stumps at about five-ish, mm-hmm. about five, I think it was. Um, came home, had a couple of hours sleep um, before getting up and going back to the ground for the fan thing the following day Yeah. Um, where the players were looking exceptionally secondhand, <laughs> as was Ivan. Ivan yeah. was oh. very secondhand. Ivan was, yeah. It, when when I saw, because I watched the, they must have put it on YouTube or something. I can't remember where I watched it. And Ivan come out and I was like, is Ivan Cleary been drinking? Like, he just doesn't seem like the sort of person that would, he seems like the sort of person that would have one quiet beer and he obviously didn't. <laughs> um, can confirm it was not one. <laughs> <laughs> And then, um, like, did you yes. see him on the Today Show? I did, yes. Oh, my God. That was hilarious. Um, And you know what I love? Mm. Is that that's actually Ivan, right? Yeah. But because he's he doesn't play up to the media the way the media would like him to, mm. everyone thinks he's a dick. Yeah. But, it, but that's also very Wayne Bennett-like. Yeah. Like Wayne Bennett behind the scenes is actually a really funny guy. Yeah. And um and so and and he, Wayne Bennett's players love him. Like mm-hmm. you don't hear of many players that say, Oh, Wayne Bennett's a dick. Mm-hmm. Like or you know, they or they might think he's a dick, but they will respect him. Yeah. And I feel like Ivan's kind of the same. Yeah. Um but he was just you know, in the very few brief words that he said when they first got back to the club. Um, Now, unbeknownst to all of us in the room, they'd already, the players had already gone out to like the the mezzanine space, which has ended up being all over YouTube. Um, And people are cheering for him and, you know, he's playing up to it. And we didn't know that that had been happening. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, he said his few brief words and then I think he closed it out with something like, now let's get on it or something like that. And I was like, <laughs> yes, Ivan, yes. Um, you know, and the fact that he was so willing, mm-hmm. I use that word a little bit loosely because I'm not sure how willing he was, but um, he was so willing to do that interview in the state that he was in with Channel 9 tells you everything you need to know about Fox and the relationship that is just non-existent with Fox. 
um, because of the constant hatchet jobs and and things like that. So, um, yeah, so then the fan day then on the Monday, which was very early, it was a 9.30 a.m. start. Yeah. Um, so I've got to say that was exceptionally early. It was the earliest it's been for the last three years that they've done these things. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, standard thing, you know, everyone's standing there. They call, you know, now it's the players one by one. Um, you know, the, the CEO of football says, oh, you know, James Fisher-Harris has got laryngitis, so he won't <laughs> be saying anything today and everyone's laughing. And, and then Ivan, you know, Ivan's still clearly very um, tired mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, you know, he's saying his bit and um, and then they, you know, the, the CEO spoke about what the redevelopment or the refurbishment rather of mm-hmm. the stadium will look like and, you know, saying that the um, eastern, uh, sorry, the western stand, so the tunnel side will be fully demolished and rebuilt mm-hmm. um, and there'll be, a stand erected behind um, the southern hill but retaining the hill. So Mm -hmm. um, that'll be interesting to see that design concept. And the eastern stand, which is the stand that currently houses all of the corporate boxes, um, is largely just getting a bit of a lick of paint. Yeah. Um, And no changes to the northern hill, which is the family hill. So... Um, so that I thought that was really cool that he used that day to actually make that kind of announcement. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, <clears throat> sorry, pardon me. I thought the other thing that was uh, pretty good was as you were driving, uh, if you're driving around um, past the academy, they had gone to the effort of putting up a couple of like two rather large tents. Mm-hmm. Um just for, you know, the Panthers Mad Monday celebrations to occur somewhat away from prying eyes. Yeah. Um, I know that they did go to a few establishments around the area on Monday, but they were all closed to the public or they they don't usually open on a Monday anyway, irrespective Mm -hmm. um, of the fact that it was public holiday and things like that. So, or they just closed them for private function. Um, but what I thought was hilarious was um, the coaching staff had arranged for a team meeting yeah. for 8 a.m. on Wednesday morning as the round out to the season. So it was like, right, team meeting, 8 o'clock Wednesday morning. Um, and the reason for that was presentation night was Wednesday night. So they didn't want the players to be coming to presentation night absolutely still drunk from Sunday. Um, so they thought that, you know, at least it meant that the harbour cruise that they were doing on Tuesday and then whatever they did after the harbour cruise, they would need to pull up stumps at a particular point in time yeah. to at least go to this team meeting. Then they did a two-hour signing session where they were signing all of the um, memorabilia that's obviously now being able to be purchased and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were still some players who didn't make it to the presentation night. Yeah, and uh, like uh, I, and I know who they are, but um, yeah. <laughs> I, some of them, some of them big names, some of them not so big names. So that's fine, but yeah, absolutely hilarious. I I don't I don't know how the 
any of the players made it there. Like, I didn't get how. I think I had I had two beers during the game. That was it. To like two stubbies as well, and I was such an emotional wreck for like days after. I think by the time the presentation day come around, I was kind of I was back to being all right again as a human being. But to think how hard they partied. The, just the game alone, like the game was a monster of a game, how hard they partied and stuff. Just sitting there in a suit having dinner. I don't know how they did it. <laughs> well, some of them you could see were really struggling. Yeah. Um, like when we were watching the live stream and we were obviously texting through that live stream as well. Yeah. And that was a bit of a train wreck and not because the players were struggling. It was because the MC was also struggling. <gasps> he was um, a fucking vacuum of charisma. <laughs> I just, it was like he had not seen the script or his whatever notes he was referring yeah. to at all yeah. prior to, um, like prior to actually taking that gig. Now, that, I mean, he is, so if people don't know, the MC, he's the same MC they use in the chairman's lounge for every home game, um, also happens to be sport presenter on the Today program. So should be au fair with speaking in public um, and, and reading things. And yet he was really failing on every yeah. level. Yeah. It was not good. Like he, I wonder, like, because if he, look, if he works at the chairman's lounge, um, he must be good at that. But, yeah, the presentation night, it was like, oh, man, it was rough. It was really rough, especially when you went between that and he had like Darcy McDonald was interviewing players uh, like in the background somewhere, and they're lighting up for her. Like she's she's talking about footy with them, and they're smiling and laughing with her. And then this guy was talking to these players, and they're literally backing up from him and giving him yes no answers. You know? Uh, yeah, I know. No, Darcy was great hosting that live stream, mm. uh, live stream piece. But um, I think some of the fascinating things that have come out since the game and I know that I was texting you about this mm. um obviously the Jerome Luai one that I mentioned where I'm fairly certain his shoulder was gone within the first five minutes mm-hmm. the fact that Nathan Cleary played 70 minutes with a torn PCL mm. blows my mind yeah blows my mind um, and like my husband has done his PCL. Yeah. And I know what he was like. Yeah. And I, I, it, I get that adrenaline allows you to do things that, you know, once your adrenaline stops, you know, it, you just can't do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was evident to me at the after party that he'd clearly been injured because he was limping. Um, yeah. And it was getting progressively worse as the morning dragged on. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, but, you know, that I, it, it blows my mind more, especially in the context of what he was able to deliver, particularly in that last 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, you know, and it won't go up there with, you know, the broken jaw of Sattler or the broken cheekbone of Burgess. Mm-hmm. Um you know, even where was it? Um, 
WebKey essentially played with a broken Bastard arm. arm. Yeah, yeah. Yep. You know, it, it's not. It it probably won't go into folklore the same way, but damn, that is that that's showing some intestinal fortitude that most humans don't have. Yeah, yeah. It was it was crazy to find that out, and like it was funny because you were messaging me because when he didn't kick that first that goal that Crichton kicked, and you're like. And obviously, we all knew something was wrong with Cleary, and it's like, what's the deal? What's what's the story? And Channel Nine was given zero information. I don't know if the club was being quiet about things or what, but like nothing that Channel Nine didn't tell us anything about any of the injuries mm. at all. It was really weird. And uh, and then like when you find out after the game, and it happened so early on, mm. um, in insane, just absolutely insane. Yeah, it, it, and but even Adam, uh, you know, the Adam Reynolds injury, I, I use that term loosely because I've not heard anything um, after or, or yeah. since about was he injured? Was it just like a burner of sorts that you can get like in your hip? Like mm. did his sciatica just flare up? Because <laughs> he looked gone for all money. He did, yeah. Like literally just writhing around the field like – he was going to need to be carted off. Yeah. Um, and so it blew my mind then that, you know, he was obviously in a fair bit of pain. And for him to still come out and deliver the way he did, you know, with especially with those goal kicks, um, you know, there was a couple of kicks he had to do from the sideline. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Which and, he nailed. And by the way, when he's nailing them, I'm like, Oh man, he this is him this mm. is him having his moment where he's like, I kicked all these goals, people. Yep. I don't want to hear about that game where I missed a goal ever again. I know, right? Mm. Um yeah, so it's it's really interesting just, you know, all those little subplots and and things like that that kind of come out after mm-hmm. um, you know, after the game. But yeah, it, it's it's so fascinating. It, it's it, it I don't quite know what to make of the last week yeah and especially I've, like in this in this area it's mm. been beyond crazy yeah and it's that's reaction i've seen across basically across most people that watch the game where they're like like i can normally break down a game technically pretty well and yet I, I, I've watched the replay, especially of the last 10 to 15 minutes of the match over and over again this week, every single day. Mm. And I still watch it. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Mm. Like, it's just this, it's like they, the football gods just said, this is going to happen and it's going to make no sense. And that we're not even going to curse the Broncos with anything except for the result. But they're not going to drop. They're not going to have a player that you look at and you go, "Oh, wow, he dropped this," or they knocked this on here or something. The Broncos played fucking well, even as the the Panthers were coming back, and it makes no sense still that the Panthers won that game. And like, I can't believe that that team is our team because I know that like I know that you you've sat through seasons where we've remember that season where we won the wooden spoon mm-hmm. under Roycey Simmons and man that season fucking sucked to go <laughs> and like 
then we like we won the premiership in 2003 and then we had the Matthew Elliott era immediately mm. after that, which was its own thing. And uh, like this is literally if you wrote down the dreams that you could have had for the club, they would have all been these sorts of things like and I'm talking about extreme dreams where mm. you say, OK, these are the dreams for the club. And they they hand it back and they say, no, go even further than that. All right, I'll put in like biggest grand final comeback ever, like whatever, you know. And we've had every single one of those things that you could have ever dreamed of happen in the last like four years. Yep. And it's, it's just, hard. It's hard to wrap your head around it. It's super hard. And I think it's there's also that kind of is that because of the sustained success? Mm. Like, is it just now so expected that it's difficult to appreciate now? Mm. Is it one of those things that you don't and I don't think that this is the case, but will you truly not be able to appreciate it until there is potentially dark times? Yeah. I don't know. It's just very strange. Yeah. It's, it's very like, strange. Like the, if you just, if we just had had that win over South Sydney in, in 2021, like that would have been more than enough. Especially no, for a, no, that would have sucked. And it would have been because that game had to be held in Brisbane the mm. stupid COVID rules, mm-hmm. and that would have sucked. It would have been nobody would have been able to see, be there to see it. Yeah. So that's, that's where 2022 was just desserts. It, yeah, and it's, I mean, I I was watching that game earlier, the 2022 grand final, and like we get up 18 nil, and like the game is over, and you may talk about this, where it is finished. At the 30, I think it's the 32nd minute or something mm-hmm. like that. And it's finished. And I think you and me were casually texting for the rest <laughs> of the game. And then we've talked about like, yeah, that was weird. Like half time and the game's already over. Can I just ask the Penrith Panthers, please do that from now on if you win no, grand finals. Because my body can't handle what you did against Brisbane. Neither can mine. Neither can my voice box. <laughs> like, seriously. <laughs> it's just... It's actually mental, but I think, yeah, like you walk around, it was funny, like Ivan, Ivan said this at the fan day and then he kind of built on that for the presentation day, presentation night where he did that speech, which is one of the best things I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. Um, But he was saying that, um, He's like, I can't explain exactly what we've just been saying. He said, I can't explain what happened. He's like, I have watched it. I cannot understand. I don't know what happened. He's like, sometimes it's not about the jersey. It's about what's under the jersey. And I thought that is Mm. so very true. Mm. And that can be said for anything or anybody in any situation. Um, And that... The other thing that Ivan spoke a lot about at the presentation night, which I've heard him say before, is about connection to community and how he yeah. really values he values that. And yeah. um, and I think it was something like thirteen or fourteen of the starting seventeen Panthers juniors. Yeah, and yeah. so you when you talk about 
it's what's under the jersey and that connection to community and all that kind of stuff. You kind of go, is it just a case of them saying, you know, we cannot have such a poor showing? Yeah. It's not necessarily about, right, we need to win this game. Not initially. I think when Crichton scores, I think it's then right where we're in with a chance here. Mm-hmm. But I think before that, it's, yeah, that piece around let's show some pride for the jerseys, some pride for the region, pride for our fans, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, but to hear that, you know, Ivan, and, and there were not, there, there were portions of the after party where Ivan was sitting because they had the game or at least the highlights being shown on loop mm-hmm. in the in Evan Theatre. And uh, there was a period of about 20 minutes where Ivan was just sitting and watching. Mm. And it was almost like he was trying to comprehend or, or try to understand what had just happened. Yeah. And it was yeah. actually, it was one of those things where that was one of those moments where it was like, I kind of wished I'd taken a photo of that. <laughs> Because it wouldn't have been obtrusive to anybody. It wasn't, you know, yeah. it, it wouldn't have been something that is then able to be shared and used or whatever. But just in terms of capturing the coach sitting there in amongst a sea of everyone enjoying themselves, watching this game on the big screen with a beer, just kind of like, I don't get it. Um, yeah. And the other thing from the party, which um, – this was my favourite thing of the entire period of time was so um, Taruva was and always is an absolute joy. I call him the smiliest man in Penrith. He's always got a smile from ear to ear. He loves a party. And it's not Mm -hmm. to say that, you know, he loves to go out and drink or whatever. Um, He's just a happy guy. Yeah, Just, Just joyful, pure joy. And he's dancing and having the best time and he comes bounding. He had been at the bar and he comes down the stairs and he sees Ivan sitting there watching and he comes up, comes back towards Ivan, kisses, so he kisses his own premiership ring that he's wearing and then, like, blows a kiss to Ivan. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, oh, my God, like, that to me is one of those moments that you like he would never in his wildest dreams have thought I'm going to be in this position yeah yeah. and particularly not at the start of the year when he was not going to be the starting winger like he got his opportunity through the misfortune of Taylor and May getting injured in the world club challenge yeah yeah and now he's got this ring and he was you could just it was such a pure joy like just it was it was gratitude it was respect it was everything it was yeah it was one of those things that I was that will live with me for a very long time yeah because that made me feel a particular way and even just recounting it now is yeah it it just warms your heart amazing yeah and like and the thing about him was they they had to rely super heavy on him from like the very first week at that point. 
and you could see everyone was every team kicked to him nonstop because they didn't want to owe um, running for three hundred meters in the game, mm. and he he must have caught more high balls than any other player in the game, and he would just nail them again mm-hmm. and again and again. And on top of that, like if you didn't have Toto in the side, you'd be like, this guy runs fucking like no other winger in the game. He's <laughs> running for 120 metres himself. The problem yeah. is on the other side of the field, he's got Toto that's run for 300 metres and is just this like, I don't even know what Brian Toto is anymore. I reckon he might be sent back from the future to get to John Connor. <laughs> but it's just fucking unbelievable that like even out of that misfortune that that happened at the start of the year with with may you get this guy that comes in and i mean who had a better year than him as a winger like it's really it's like him and toto had the two best years in the nrl as wingers mm. that's outrageous oh and the fact that the premiers had the rookie of the year that's outrageous yep it's just all of these things that this club has done. I cannot believe it. it you, and you watch it and you're like, how is this even fucking possible that of all the things that they've already done, they're still doing stuff like that. And um, I, I, I think, I think I might've said on the podcast that like rugby league doesn't have to give me one extra thing ever. Like I feel as though it's, I, I beat the boss. <laughs> it was so, that like that it's like that's it it's you got to beat the house that's it you won yeah. <laughs> and uh it's weird to think that like next year we're going to be one of the hardest teams to beat again like what the fuck <laughs> so who do you so if we think about next year and there's clearly already a uh a slogan or a mantra or a catch mm. cry, whatever you want to call it, that mm-hmm. Penrith have put out there. Yep. Um, and I know that you will, you are loving it. We haven't oh. spoken about it, but I know you are loving it. I'm ready to play so many dress-ups. Oh, I okay. can see it. I've got, I'm looking at, like, dozens of of things I'm going to take pictures of. I oh. need to get a 1-6 scale Panthers jersey to put on so many things. <laughs> <laughs> you just get one of those, like, stubby holder things. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. That's a real good uh, idea. I know, right? And, and I've got, like, and, yeah, as soon as they, they started <sighs> saying it, I was like, I was like, yes. <laughs> yes, I know, I know. So for those who aren't in the know, the the term that was used quite a lot at the presentation night was may the fourth be with you. So we can see that this is what's going to happen. Um, but how do you see the team taking shape next year? Like, so we lose crying and that's, that's huge in that every single big game he's ever played in is just been probably he's been, if he hasn't been the best player in the field, he's been second best player on the field. So taking that out of the side, but I think May is, I think people are going to be shocked by how good May is. Mm. I think May's a real special player. Um, and you know, from there, like we've got all of the key players in place. Um, like, Tungor is going to be better because when, like, before he got injured later in the season, he was starting to throw people around. He was starting mm, to go to somewhere mm. special. So he's going to be better. Um, 
All of our key players are in place. We've got two of the best wingers in the game. I think the thing that is going to be huge is how the depth comes through. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel as though we need somebody off the bench that's maybe a hard hard run and second role can play a bit of prop, and I think we're going to have that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a guy that I, I know you know about that's probably <laughs> really well suited for that role. And so and and so I and our depth was like decimated over last season and I think that this season you saw a little bit of that and our lower grades didn't perform quite mm. as well. Um but in terms of who it's gonna be, I think the Broncos will be incredible next year and it's kinda like we were in twenty twenty one where we learnt from the grand final. So I think that there's part of me that feels as though in a, in a normal situation you'd say they'd be the team to beat. If it wasn't for the fact that, like, f- fucking Jason Voorhees is in a black jersey and you can't kill him. <laughs> <laughs> Outside of that supernatural thing. And honestly, for every other club, like the Storm are going to be pretty good, but I think that they're in a different place right now. I don't rate the Roosters. I think it'll be interesting to see if the Eels can can maybe get back in some way, but I, I don't see them being better than the Storm. So I think it's going to be Panthers-Broncos again next year, and we're going to see if the Broncos, how they, how they go from what happened to them. And I think they'll be good. I think it'll make them, and I think they will win a premiership. If it's not this, if it's not this coming year, it'll be in the next few years. But I still think it's Penrith and, and, and Brisbane. Like, what mm. do you think? Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see how Ivan replaces Crichton. Mm. And so because the whole game plan and how they play will have to change. Yeah. Because I I think – Taylor May just slots into Crichton's position. He's bulked up quite a lot um, mm-hmm. as a result of the rehab process. Mm-hmm. And so he's he's almost a back rower. Like he is, yeah. he is like it's ridiculous his nickname is Tiny because <laughs> he is a huge human. Yeah. Um so I actually think he'll be one of those like big barnstorming centers. Yeah. Um not dissimilar to Burton, mm-hmm. um, probably a bit bulkier than Burton, but you know, with that frame, that that bigger frame, um, but he doesn't have that athleticism that Crichton has. Yeah. Um, with regards to you know being able to, well, he could have been working on this, so don't know, but you know, being able to jump for those balls, bat them back, you know, blah blah blah. So I think that they will need to then there'll be a need for Cleary and Luai to change the attacking concept um, Mm -hmm. and things like that. But so I see that happening. I do think Lenu is a big loss because there's nobody else at the moment who plays like him in terms of that impact off the bench. Um, Like the guys that come off the bench all do a great job, but – they're not that like super sub style player. Mm-hmm. So that'll be fascinating. Um, I actually think Flegler and Farnworth are big losses for Brisbane. I think yeah. they're bigger losses for Brisbane than Crichton and Lenu are for Penrith. 
I agree. Um, and there are other players leaving Penrith as well, but, you know, in terms of depth players, like you've got um, Thomas Jenkins leaving, Eddie Blacker's gone. Um, what's his name? Jamin Salmon. Cogger. Cogger's the big one, actually. Yeah. Um, because, uh, yeah, I, I'm not quite sure what – I mean, Kurt Falls is probably the next – the next in line, so to speak. I know that they've bought a couple of players in just to help with that depth, but um, I, I do think it's certainly Penrith Broncos um, leading the pack. Yeah. And, yeah, I'm just trying to think. Like the in the Storm, I, the I think storm, the I'd, you know, I'd really love to see the Warriors have another crack. I just don't yeah. know whether they've got they've got it in them to do it again. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I, I think that they'll. I think they'll be a, a finals team for sure. But because um, they had a really good run towards the end of the year and, and completely earned their place where they they ended up. Um, but to, when the the back and up part is so hard. Mm. That, you know, and and everyone's got to look at them now, and they they know what to expect out of them and things like that. So, um, and I just don't know whether SJ will have the impact next year. Yeah, that he's had this year. Like, there's just a lot about this year's Warriors team that gives me um the same vibes as Parramatta last year, Cowboys the year before that, mm-hmm. where it's a blip. Like it's more an anomaly performance than what is par for the course. Yeah. Um, and I don't care what anyone tells me, and I know that the Cowboys need to travel as well, but that that travel's got to take it out of you. Like, yeah, it's That's- international travel. It's not domestic, so everything just takes longer. Mm. Um. So yeah, but, but I would I would really love to see them have another year like they had this year. It would be very cool. It would be very cool. I mean, New Zealand went off, you know, um, and you know, I was think I was actually thinking during the week about Ivan Cleary and like, and they had him as a coach, and he just wanted a long contract, and they wouldn't mm. give it to him, and and Penrith swooped in and got him, and. And just, just think they could have had Nathan as well. Nathan probably would have played for New Zealand at Tesla. Mm. Hey. So, um, and it, it like, we're, we're just so lucky to get, you know, Ivan as the coach. And I think one of the things that really stood out for me in his speech was when he was talking about what it was like when he got to the Panthers and, and how the community had kind of fallen out of love with the club. Mm. And it, and like, I remember that because it was it was really apparent if you're a Panthers fan and there was just such a disconnect, complete disconnect between the club and the community, and that they they saw that and they managed to get that back together. Yeah, uh, is amazing because like if if you're around in the nineties, that was really important to everyone that followed the Panthers, even if they sucked. There was still this thing of like, but it's our team and they're our boys and, and stuff like that. And and when that was lost, it was a really sad point for the club's history. And um, it's so cool that they got that back and they were good, you know. Um, and 
and yeah, it's uh, it's. I think been... there's something to be said though that that swing away kind of coincided with the game becoming professional, and so because the community driven piece, you know, like mm. all these all the guys were working in the community. Yeah, and so it was easier to be in love with the club because, you know. Royce was also working, you know, oh, I work with Royce. Well, yeah, of course, you know, mm. I, I'm going to support support the team. But then when it became professional mm. um, and – And the club know, went to Super League too and that was – that yeah. kind of went against like what the area was about a little bit. Yeah. And like I I don't know about you and I, I – I, I'm not talking shit about the team because the team was amazing, but like I feel as though 2003 was magic and I wouldn't change one single thing about it, but I feel as though the connection that the area has to the club now is even better than it was in 2003. Oh, without doubt. Yeah. Without doubt. And this is where having so many local juniors Mm. actually creates that. So, Mm. I love that they they know what they are in terms of development club. That mm-hmm. that's that's what Penrith do. They mm-hmm. they breed, they develop. Yes, they lose far more than they keep because let's be honest, you can only field one team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so you lose more than you you keep, and um, but the fact that they don't shy away from that is what has created that connection or mm. recreated that connection. Yeah. So it's, um, yeah, it's, you know, and I haven't said it, you know, you go around now and God, there's Panthers jerseys everywhere. Yeah. And I mean, my husband, my husband said it during grand final week in particular. He's like, Oh my God, I have jerseys everywhere. But I was <laughs> like, well, mate, if you lived in Canberra, during 2019, there would have been camera jerseys everywhere too, mate. Like, get a grip on reality. Oh, shit. I just love it. I said, mate, it's not like random South guy. They haven't just come out of the woodwork. Like, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, it was just um, – but there are jerseys everywhere, I've got to say. And even – you know, And like, it used to be like that in Penrith, like the – like – Shops would have Panthers colours on them, like cars, trucks. They'd have Panthers colours or flags, or didn't matter what. And that and that kind of and it all went away. And it was it was so sad to see that and to see it come back now. And ah oh man, it's so cool that it's back because that was something that like I I thought had been lost. I really did. Yeah. Um, where every like every fucking company in Penrith wanted to color their colors like the Panthers. It was really yeah. cool, and and now that's back. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, well, well, here's something for you. Mm. I don't know actually, and I don't know whether I've told you this mm. previously. So you know the um the big giant heads. Um, I know you know about the, mm-hmm. <laughs> the giant mm-hmm. heads. Mm-hmm. So last year, um, one of the Panthers sponsors is company that does that kind of thing yeah and they um in the lead up to 
I think once the final series started, they put things on the Panthers, some of the Panthers supporter group pages on Facebook to say, hey, we're making these player heads. might have been two years ago. Anyway, you can order them from us, blah, blah, blah. No dramas. Um, then towards the end of this season, I I see that you can buy these heads at the ground, like yeah. the official merchandise. I thought, oh, okay, and NRL's come in and, you know, swooped on that, haven't they? Yeah. Um, and anyway, as we were preparing for the grand final and I was helping decorate the gym and um, this company said, oh, we can't do the big heads anymore, but we're doing these like team images and stuff like that. So yeah. I ordered one of the team images for the gym and I went and picked it up and I was talking to the owner and I was saying, yeah, this is really great. Dad. I said, oh, it's a shame you can't do the heads anymore. What he told me was that after the raging success, particularly last year, mm. of the heads, they pitched that idea to the NRL. And so now they are the ones that are making all the heads mm. for every team oh, wow. for the NRL. Oh, wow. That's cool. Yeah. That's really cool. I'll need to get the name of that company because I need to purchase one. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I just thought that is, this is a local business who mm. had an idea, mm. saw that there was an opportunity and then pitched it to the NRL and the mm. NRL has said, yeah, we like it. Now, obviously the NRL is making some money off it as well and all that mm. kind of stuff because it's all now properly licensed and mm-hmm. it's got NRL logo around it and stuff like that. But I think that, you know, that's one of those community things like and it would be good, I'm sure, and I would like to hope that there are stories similar to that across every club with, you know, sponsors and the like. But, Mm. you know, this is not a a big name sponsor. It's not a, you know, it's not a Coca-Cola. It's not a, you know, a big multinational. This is essentially a mum and dad operated local business. Mm Mm-hmm. And they've sponsored the Panthers for as long as I can remember, mm-hmm. um, you know, at least 10 years, if not longer. Um, but, yeah, so I think, you know, when you hear stories like that as well, that's what helps drive that connection to community because people will be willing to support those businesses mm. that are supporting their club. Um, and it's probably a bit easier in places, you know, certainly like Newcastle, um, obviously Brisbane, Townsville, over in New Zealand, obviously for Penrith, where you're somewhat isolated, yeah, um, and almost regional to a degree, and that obviously mm-hmm. becomes a little bit more difficult for the clubs that are condensed into a very small area. Um, but you know, now we just need to wait for Pacific Championships to start to have more football on our screens. Yeah, I don't it's been this is the first weekend for a long time without footy and I I don't care for it. Um No. But man, it's I, I like I'm still processing the grand final. Like I like and I I've, I've watched I think I've watched it twice now and the highlights I must have watched a dozen times, like the last 10 minutes, the last half of the game stuff like that. And uh I'm trying to get to a point where I can sort of break it down as technically as I can, and I'm still stuck in the the thing of like, oh my god, ah! <laughs> like, 
trying not to tear up, still watching it. And um, I can't believe, I can't believe we've had this moment. And like, it's been so much fun to, to share the whole journey, like with you, like we've become friends over the last few mm-hmm. years and it, which is so cool. And like, you've invited me to so many games which and I've seen so many things I normally wouldn't have because of you and so it's so cool that you got that chance to go and and like celebrate with the team because you really deserve it like you you're such a nice person and it it's it's so cool you got to do that and I know like when you were there you were you were texting me while we were there and I was like sitting here beaming all night being like, Oh, that's so cool. That's so cool. And, uh, like it, it's, it's just awesome. It's fucking awesome. I, it's been like a dream. The whole thing's like yeah. a dream. Like it's so cool. <laughs> yeah, I know. But now I fear it's, it's going to be a very long off season. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, I, I'm going to, I'm going to watch my Rockets and hope that they don't suck this year in the NBA. Mm. Um, but, like, it's it's weird that we've won all these trophies as Panthers fans, and then next year, like, if you took next year in isolation, you'd be like, man, I think they're a top two team. I know, That's right? fucking insane! <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so crazy. Like, Imagine how good these guys will be when they're 27. <laughs> oh, no. oh, my God. That makes me think there was a tweet, a tweet, I think, the day before the grand final. Yeah. And somebody tweeted about the weather. Yeah. And they're saying, you know, it's really hot in Sydney. That will favour the Broncos because they're such a young team. Mm-hmm. And I straight away jumped on that. Yeah. And I found went and found the average ages, all the squads, and you know added to the the chats. And I just said, "Yeah, that point five one is going to make a huge difference." <laughs> I know it, it's it's so <laughs> weird. Like if they took if they all decided that they were going to retire for five years and then come back, there'd be guys that were still not near thirty. Correct. Like it's it's. It doesn't make sense. It, the only the only team I can ever think of that was like in this sort of position was that that uh, Dragons team, the great Dragons team that mm. won eleven straight. And where you kind of look at what great players had achieved, and then you you see like, and at this point, this guy was twenty seven. It's like holy fuck. It, well, that's like I was listening to um, uh, on Monday. Because apart from being super tired on Monday, mm. Mm. I was also being the ultimate Uber driver for every member in my family. <laughs> and I um, was picking up my husband from Warwick Farm Racecourse because he'd mm-hmm. been out there for the day. Mm-hmm. And I think I was listening to SEN. And they were talking about, um, obviously talking about the game. But one of the things they said was, you know, one of the only other dual Clive Churchill medal winners is um, Brad Mackay. Yep. No. Brad Bradley McCoy? Clyde. Sorry, Bradley Clyde. Oh, Bradley Clyde, Clyde. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I was getting confused. And um, and then they said he'd won both his Clive Churchills before the age of 22. Mm, yeah. And that, that was one of those moments where I went, holy shit. Mm. And there are going to be players in this Panthers team okay, not Clive Churchill medal winners, but who have had this level of success and may not have it ever again. 
Mm, yeah. Like, like Bradley Clyde, his career, his career was cut, not cut short, but his career changed with a really shocking head high tackle in the 94 Ashes series. Yeah. Uh, and he was like top three player in the world. Question, like he was on, he was on a trajectory to be probably the best lock forward in the world. And then he got hit in the, the worst high tackle maybe I've still ever seen. And he just wasn't the same after mm. that, unfortunately. So his career was kind of different after that. Um, and that was pretty early in his career. Like I, he must have been 26, 27, I would reckon. Yeah. Like it was just, it just blew my mind when mm. they said that. And I was like, mm. oh my God. And so, I mean, they weren't saying it to downplay what Nathan had done because mm, they were mm. kind of saying, you know, he's 25 and blah, this and blah, that. And then they were saying, well, you know, Brad Clyde was 21 when he won his second Clive Churchill. Mm. Like that's, that, that is insane. It really is, yeah. yeah. Insane. A lot of so, the things that Reg Gasney did are like that where mm. I think he was the Australian captain when he was like in his early 20s. Yeah. And, and it was – no one questioned it. It was just like, of course, it's him. I think it'll be the same thing with Pat Carrigan, actually, where mm. he's going to be a really young Australian captain and n- not one person is going to say, oh, it's going to be like, of course, it's him, you know. Um, and, and, like, imagine when Tungle was 23. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, <laughs> it's it's so fucking, ridiculous. It really is. It really is. It is so like you think. Like who's the oldest Panthers player? I think it's. Is it Yo? It's Yo or Fisher Harris. And they're like twenty eight. Yeah. I mean, go away. (laughs) That's so dumb. (laughs) Yeah, like they were saying something about Nathan, and then they said blah blah blah, and it's like. He's not even 26 yet. Like, I know. I was saying he was 26 all year. No. He's fucking only 25. No, he turns 26 in November. It's crazy. It, it is. This is the thing. I'm just like, wow, wow. And, like, he's been captain of that team since 2021. Yeah, yeah. So he was a young captain as well. Ooh, I've got a question for you. Oh, I've got a question. Oh, geez, Louise, I feel like this is going to get me in trouble. No, 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 no. Because oh. <laughs> no, no. this is the question for Panthers fans, right? Oh, okay. And it's, okay. Oh, God. Here it is. Is Nathan Cleary now the best halfback in Penrith Panthers history? Mm-hmm. So he's one. And there's a, mm. a lot of things Brandy did as a young there's player. There's so many variables here. Mm-hmm. I know, I know. And it's not an easy question. There is so many variables. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, and. You have to. Because mm. Greg Alexander is canonized. He's like. One of the is there's probably maybe five plays in the history of the Panthers that are canonized, right? And he's number one on the list. Mm. And and his achievements were fantastic. And he like he was an Australian player, he's, all sorts of things when he was younger. One of, if not the best junior player that most people saw, um, still talked about. 
Nathan Cleary's won three, two, two Clive Churchill medals. That, that performance is going to end up being the top point scorer in the club's history. He's already second by a long way. Yeah. You have to say yes. You kind of have to, don't you? You have to say yes. But this is, I think this is one of those things, like I said earlier, it's hard to answer the question in the moment. Yes. Because there would be people who, if you pose the question between Brandy and Gowie, where they would say, oh, it, it would probably be more of a genuine 50-50. See, for like, me, I, and I, I know I'm a bit different on Craig Gower. I was never his biggest fan. And so to me, that's not even a question. Yeah. But I understand there are some people that, like Craig Gow played test footy at, at hooker for Australia as well. Mm. Like there's a lot of things he achieved that you can't take away from him. He's the halfback of a grand final winning team for Penrith and, and stuff like that. Yeah. But there's a point, like Nathan, and keep in mind, Nathan's 25. <laughs> it, if he like if Nathan Cleary plays for two more years, there's going to be things that are going to become undeniable, mm. and it's crazy to to think that we're going to end up at a point as Panthers fans where we say our greatest halfback was Nathan Cleary, and it's kind of hard to deny on any level. Well, then you also have a similar preposition around mm. coach, because a lot of people would say that John Lane was one of, yeah. if not the best. Mm. And now, I like, Ivan Ivan has now got to be spoken about in the same sentences and breaths mm. as Bennett, mm-hmm. as Bellamy. I mean, someone the other day tried to compare him to Jack Gibson. I thought that was probably a bridge too far. But, mm. um, but that's, you know, it's the same kind of dialogue. Yeah, like... Five grand finals with two different clubs, uh, winning three of them, three in a row, and it, it's still happening. Like there's a there's a lot of things there where he's at least like with say a and, and Bennett's has been over a longer period of time, mm, but he, mm. he didn't win the three in a row. No. Um. So, but he like. He's in that Bellamy Bennett sort of area, at least. He's at least the step back from those two, and he's got time to to catch them up. So, uh, it, it's crazy that we're even talking about this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> honestly, honestly, it 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 is insane. It really is. But have you uh, managed to get yourself to the club to see the display? Not yet. I'm, I've I'm purposefully decided to wait, and I'm going to do it sometime mid next week. Um, then I think I'll be able to see the display and not cry in public. I'll <laughs> um, <laughs> be a good choice too, because school will be back, and you won't need to worry about kids being everywhere. Yeah, yeah, and and so, I, like, so that that was a purposeful choice. Um, and I can't wait to see it. I've seen other people's pictures. There was a, a dude posted a picture on Twitter, I think it was earlier 
yesterday and I retweeted it and was like, oh, shit. Because I went and saw all of the trophies we had last year. Mm. And it just didn't even make sense to see like a wall of fucking silverware that (laughs) we won. So now to see the three three grand final trophies in a row. um, And the JJ Gilton, don't forget that. Yeah, yeah. And my God, when you see that thing in person, it's like... It's beautiful. I remember when we won that that one again in uh, 2020, I think it was, when we won it, the first one of this run. Was that mm-hmm. when we won the first one? Yep. Yeah, and I teared up when we got handed that. I could never. I was at that game. That was a game against the Bulldogs at a core stadium. Yeah. And, and look, when we won it the other week, when you invited me to that game, and it was like goosebumps, losing my mind, like just. <laughs> Just being able to see it, I remember saying to you, like, thank you for having me out. <laughs> I'm saying this, like, I, it's just these, any one of these moments I would have taken and we got all of them. And I, I just think that next year we've earned the right to be arrogant. Oh, exactly right. I mean, all these other teams are shit compared to us <laughs> and we've proven that three times in a row now. Like, what do they want? Mate, and how about uh, Valandi's? saying that we can only go to Vegas in 2025 if we win next year's comp. Oh. It's like, uh, mate, you'll need to have the draw done before the comp is run and won. So nice try, brother. Yeah, he's <laughs> adorable. Did you say <laughs> someone needs to teach him how to wear pants? <laughs> I like what the fuck was to go with that. <laughs> oh, I, know his, I know his body shape is a little bit different, but... Come on, man. You got to wear your pants right now. <laughs> oh, far out. Far out. Well, I am so glad we got to do this. I knew eventually we'd do a debrief, even if it wasn't the podcast. <laughs> yes. It, it was because I know we both needed it. And like I said, like the last couple of weeks of the the, the, fi- the semi final and then the grand final, like I know we were both sort of keeping it together. <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> we went through so many goes. We were text through 80 minutes in the last two. We were like, yeah, we're going good. <laughs> lots, lots of expletives in the last, in, in the grand final one. Yeah, in the, oh, yeah, in that last 20 minutes. That was fucking crazy. But, uh, but it, look, thank you for coming on. You're always welcome on. It's awesome to have you on. Thank you for an amazing season. Thank you for being an, an amazing friend. And uh, I, I just, I'm so happy you got to experience like what you did this year because you really deserve it. It's you're oh, an amazing. Thank person. you. Don't let that reputation get out. <laughs> did you hear us talking about like in the last episode? We were like, oh yeah, Nadine loves a good knife fight. Yeah, I'll be throwing hands. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is there anything you want to promote or anything at all? Like, no, I've got nothing. Yeah. I feel like I'm still emotionally wrecked from the game. Oh, I'm glad it's not just me. I'm glad it's not just me. I feel like I need to go to some retreat. <laughs> Detox. Wherever they sent fucking Mitchell Pierce. Remember when he went? Like wherever he went. I need to go there for like just a couple of weeks, come back and be like, yeah, I centered myself again. You know, that's what I need. Oh, just do it. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming on. Uh, thank you for for 
if thank you for being part of this amazing experience and thank you to everyone that's listened i hope we haven't been too obnoxious that's what we're like out here we're just arrogant cunts so <laughs> uh and if you don't like it too bad because we just do what we want um thank you for everyone for listening thank you to dean for being on and we'll catch you all in the next episode